0: Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our risen and returning savior. Y'all, it's my favorite night of the month. It is Kaya night, and we have something exciting planned for you. If you remember earlier this month, um, our marriage ministry held an event, their annual event in February called Love Notes, and the marriage ministry and the Kaya team came together, and we thought, uh, why not have a Love Notes Kaya edition? And that's what we are here to bring to you. And just before we get started, um, I want to share just a few announcements with you to let you know what's going on here at St. Paul and uh, the other things that you can join us in participating with in this online experience. The first one is March Gladness, uh, which is our annual spring revival that takes place every March. It is going on uh, March 16th through 18th you can find the link on all of our streaming platforms. You'll be able to be there and see it uh, and listen to our worship and watch our worship experience and participate with us um, for, at seven o'clock each night. That's March 16th, 17th, and 18th at seven o'clock. Uh, immediately following this, we will have our Quick 15. Um, our Quick 15 with the pastor uh, happens every uh, every Wednesday night. A pastor gets on and shares a devotional Then he prays with us and as a community uh, we come together and just pray together. That's 8.15, immediately following Kaya um, today. Now, tomorrow, we are having our Thursday night, our Thursday afternoon and Thursday evening TNT Bible study. Uh, pastor has been doing a masterful exegetical walk through First Peter, and we look forward to seeing what he is getting ready to do um, on this coming Thursday, tomorrow. And then on Sunday, Sunday. You can join us for our St. Paul online worship experience that takes place at 1030 Sunday morning. Please come through, join us, come hang out with us. We would love to have you worshiping virtually with us. Um, so if you could, everybody just kind of relax, sit back in your seat, throw on um, um, uh, um, uh, throw on something comfortable, and let's get ready to um, embark on Kaya for tonight. My host is none other than my friend, my brother. He is my right-hand Kaya man. Uh, Minister Jeffrey Stevenson is going to moderate this uh, terrific discussion for us tonight. Uh, and without further ado, I am going to bring him in and let him do what he does. He's going to introduce our panelists for tonight. And Jeffrey, you the man tonight. I appreciate you, my brother. I love you. Thank you for being our point man tonight. Go ahead
1: and take us in. All right. Well, uh, you know, certainly thank you, um, Reverend McNeil, for uh, asking me. Um, you know, I, I really um, embrace everything that we do in Kaya and, you know, it's come as you are. And uh, being a young adult myself, um, a lot of times I, I do realize that there are spaces that are not always created for us, but Kaya is one of them. And so I am always appreciative to St. Paul for creating that space um, just to introduce tonight's panelists that we will be talking to. talking to, um, We have Asia and Shantez Davis, Team Davis, um, great friends, um, and they are the um, co-chairs of the marriage ministry here at St. Paul. We also have Team Lee, Christy, and Quincy Lee. Um, they are also the co-chairs of the marriage ministry here at St. Paul, um, and they do both teams do a phenomenal job here at St. Paul, with what they do. And then we also have Dr. Sherelle Fuller. Dr. Fuller is, is just great. Anybody that's been to St. Paul, you know, Dr. Sherelle Fuller. She is one of the most familiar people you will ever meet at St. Paul. One of the nicest people you ever meet at St. Paul and one of the most uh, helpful people will ever uh, you'll ever meet at St. Paul. So without further ado, I would like to bring in Team Davis and Team Lee into the conversation. This is Love Notes um, Kaya edition, and we're doing something a little different um, because you know where I'm from. I tell everybody, listen, I'm an '80s baby. The '90s raised me. 2000 made me. So this is the remix, right? So this is right. This is the remix Love Notes. You are loving yourself. Whether you are married, whether you are engaged, whether you are single, whether you've been divorced—no matter what you have been, God has a place for you. And so that's what Kai is: come as you are. So bring yourself just as God has you. So that's I right. definitely want to uh, welcome you two in, and uh, we're just gonna jump right in here. We're gonna have some good conversation, some good fun tonight, and uh, but we're also gonna have some serious conversation. Um, so just, uh, just uh, how, how's everybody doing tonight? Good,
2: good. How about
1: doing well they fly up there they got the hoodies on they fly listen you know hey you know uh, hey it's what we do do. (laughs) well you know we certainly thank you guys for for what you did with love notes um having participated myself the the just the love notes this was volume three and it was great yeah. It was great. Thank you. I mean, thank you. what you guys were able to do and to bring it into the virtual setting mm-hmm. and still be as impactful as you did, I think it's just phenomenal. It speaks to the creativity that both of you had to be able to put that together and just have some great conversation and bring in some great speakers. Um, so thank you. I just want to thank you from the Young Adult Ministry um, to be able to see what you all did, it was just amazing and phenomenal. So, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you.
3: Thank and, you. Thank you're you. welcome, and thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. So let's let's just jump right on in here. Um. I, I I've never been one for putting my toes in. I just jump all the way in. That's the way you learn when you're from the country. They just throw you right on in there. So let's just jump right on in here. Um. So a few weeks ago. Um. Uh, uh, one of the pastors that I, I typically watch does a, um, he did a sermon series, and one of the sermons he preached was, um, there are no huxtables. Mm-hmm. And so what often happens, right, is that we, as African Americans, get depicted a certain ways on TV, and especially when it comes to marriage, but that's not always true, right? And so there are no Huxtables because every family dynamic is different. And so I, I just kind of want to pose it this way, using using that oh. as a backdrop, and we don't see that on TV.
3: You still with us? Okay. Do you?
1: Feel, yeah. So, do you feel that it's your responsibility to reshape the image of black marriage in America because it's different than what's seen on TV? Wow. That's a good
3: question. That's a
1: great question. That, <laughs> that is a great question. Spotlight like is on us. Go
3: ahead, you want to? Okay. So do I feel like it's my responsibility or our responsibility to reshape the image of black marriage in America? Well, number one, to your point, you're absolutely right. There is no such thing as the H- Huxtables, you know, growing up, um, you know, we idolize um, Bill Cosby and Claire, you know, it was, right. I mean, it was my show. I thought that's what a black family should look like um, as, as far as it goes is reshaping. I honestly, for me, I do. I do take on that burden a little bit. I do. I do take that burden on a little bit and I call it I call it a burden. I use the word burden um, lightly, not as a heavy thing, because I do want people to see um, African-American marriages in a different light and see us differently. Um, You know, because growing up where I grew up, I didn't see a whole lot of successful marriages per se. Right. Or people that were even married. You know, and I know my wife's experience. And I know she can speak to that. Her experience was a little bit different. Like you, you saw marriage, right, growing up?
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, my parents have been married forty-two years, um, and so um, I came into this marriage with the with the idea that you know. With, with the belief that marriage works yeah, <laughs> right. marriage works, mm-hmm. and um it is a team concept mm-hmm. and um we will wor- we will work together and we will work through this and so um we we bought our we both brought our backgrounds to 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 the marriage but yes absolutely to answer your question i do feel like it is our um responsibility mm-hmm. to 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 continue that that witness mm-hmm. um but more so um Minister Jeffrey, I believe that we are um, responsible to convince the unconvinced, yeah, right? Right, um, right Even right. about, even, even through our marriage, uh-huh. um, I believe that that is what we are, um, are called to do. So, absolutely for the Black community, um, that's why I really take pride in being mm-hmm. a ministry leader um, over the marriage ministry at St. Paul, mm-hmm. um, but also as a Christian couple. Absolutely, um, I believe that we have that responsibility.
3: Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. And I and I, do, I would add to that. Um, I remember when we first got married, um, mm-hmm. Pastor Moss, our pastor emeritus, he actually married us. And he said at the altar, he was like, the love you have for each other, mm-hmm. take that love and spread it out amongst the world Amen. so people can see. Because right. our marriage may be the only witness of Jesus Christ that some people get to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly do um, shoulder that burden. Absolutely, brother.
1: You know, for team for team Lee, and I I pose the same question to you both, um, but at, kind of put a little twist on it. You know, you both work in in the corporate sector, right? And so you have to uphold marriage in a certain way. And so we know, even using the Huxtables again as a backdrop, they were in a corporate setting, you know. But at the same time, you know, he worked downstairs in the basement. You know, we know we, hey, we ain't we in no basement you know, so we have to go out and represent. So, so in doing what you do to be able to go out, how do you represent and, and uphold this, this image to be able to share with the world as it relates to the black marriage here in America?
2: Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll start and say, you know, we actually have a little different philosophy on this one. Um, And we actually, we, we feel like others see our marriage and, they see the light of God in it, but we don't feel a responsibility to reshape the image of marriage, of marriage in America. Our responsibility right now is just, can we make it to tomorrow? <laughs> right. Right. We just right Right. 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 So we like, hey, can, can we make it to tomorrow in our marriage? Right. So when we wake up every day. We say, you know what? What can we do today to feed into our marriage today to get to tomorrow? Right. Um. And, and we are in corporate settings, to your point. And, and so in that setting, you know what? We 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 share stories. We're very transparent. And I think we're very vulnerable, even within our work setting about our marriage. Right. Whether right. it's kids, whether it's what we're going through at home. I have you chime in on that one. Well, uh, just to kind of piggyback on what Quincy was
5: saying, you know, it it is a lot of responsibility to kind of have this image. And I think that's actually one of the disconnects that people have with marriage sometimes, because what they're seeing is Facebook marriages. They're seeing the representation of a thing, but they're not seeing all the behind the scenes conversations. Right, right, right. you know, highs and lows that it takes to actually execute a marriage. So, again, we're trying to keep it teamly and we hope that we set an example and we try not to be out in in the world acting crazy or anything like that. But at the end of the day for this to work, we know that we have to focus on us and, and, and try not to present some false image of two human beings who have lots of flaws coming together to try to build a life together.
1: You know, um, and building upon that, so one of the one of the books that was brought to my attention whenever we were putting this together was a book um, called Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married, right? By Gary Chapman, right? And so using that book, kind of looking into it, um, and, and Team Lee, I'll let you take this one. Um, has your view of the perception of marriage collided at times with the reality of marriage?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, that's kind of funny.
1: Um, it, is you know, great, it,
2: is, it is. It's a great topic. Right. Because, you know, going into marriage, the perception of marriage was either based on either people around you, the Cosby show. Right? If you didn't have that. Right. Um, whether it was church, whether it's family. So I, the, the perception of marriage and the reality are two different things, right? I always say when I got married, you know, had this big dreams of grandeur of what marriage is gonna be. Um, also, when you get married, you think the person's gonna be like that forever and they're not, right? They change daily sometimes, <laughs> right? And, and so, so the, the reality of that, it, to me, I think helps you, once you realize that, I think it helps you understand that you can ebb and flow through marriage And and more importantly, I think you have to just kind of like the person that you're with.
5: Right. And I think a lot of times you actually have to unlearn all of those things that you thought marriage would be. So we come into this with, you know, we we have all of the stories of the fairy tales that you're never going to have an argument. The definition of love is always making things copacetic. And that's that's not the reality of life. So, um you know the the reality that we we are we're learning over the last 16 years is how to unlearn what we thought marriage would be so that we can embrace the marriage that we have
1: you know and and it is so important i think that was great to embrace the marriage that we have right um i was talking to someone the other day and they said you know hey man i was you know once again i'm showing my you know 2000s over here but He said, it was a brother of mine. He said, you know what, man, you ever go back and listen to some of the songs we listen to? I said, yeah, man, you know. And so I was like, hold on, where are you going with this? And he said, you know, Music Soul Child came on the other day. And he told her, he said, I love you if your hair turned great, And I love you if you gain a little weight. But what happens if it's more than a little? (laughs) You know what I mean? So (laughs) at, at times, the reality that we face is not always the same as what we've come into this thing with. Uh-huh. And so sometimes those those two can collide. And if we've not done our work to make marriage work, then the perception can lead down a different path, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so keeping along that vein, um, on team Davis, um how do you keep and, and this goes back, I want to touch on, on some of the, the kaya that we came, I mean excuse me, the love notes we came out of. Uh-huh. How do you keep the freshness? In your marriage, because one of the things that 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 um, that we learned from one of the speakers that you guys had was he talked about he talked about, um, you know, he talked about sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I think it's a very real thing that people don't realize once you start having kids. And by the way, y'all, these are my my uh, son's godparents. So, you know, I love them and they they can come get him this weekend if they need to. <laughs> I need to keep mine fresh, too. Anyway, so. like So, but. How do you keep that freshness there when you've got kids, when you've got jobs, when you've got careers? You know, now living in a pandemic, can't nobody leave the house. You don't want to take your kids somewhere because I don't know where you've been at. You know, so mm-hmm. how do you keep the freshness alive in a COVID life that we currently live in? Mm-hmm. I love that question.
4: Very good question yeah. of reflection. Yeah. Shout out to my mama. Oh, <laughs>
2: number one, <laughs> GG, Thank you. <laughs> if
4: <you're out> there. <laughs> Shout out to you. Um, <laughs> she has been a lifesaver mm-hmm. when it comes to um, especially during COVID, yeah. because um we we wanted to make sure the kids were safe. Yeah. And so when it it came to like taking them somewhere, that's the only place yeah. that, that they would mm-hmm. go. And so, um, but do you want to answer your
3: yeah. question in a I mean way? sure. No, that which what AJ just said <laughs> is, is right. Shout out to Gigi, but what what that really ties into, Jeffrey, is intentionality.
4: Yeah.
3: Um right. being intentional about um making sure you set that that um private time apart with your spouse. Um and of course that doesn't always mean sex, right? Cuz int- intimacy is so much more than just that. Um you know, our daughters, gosh, even when Gigi doesn't come get them, um will be they'll be the first ones to tell you in their 4-year-old and 7-year-old way Mommy and Daddy is always downstairs watching TV. We're always upstairs. They don't <laughs> never want us around. No, we want you around, but can we, we need to debrief. At a certain hour. At a certain hour with Mommy and Daddy, just to talk about life. You know, I need to make sure I'm being intentional, making sure that I know who my wife still is and what she still likes. You know, because the things Quincy mentioned it, the things that she liked five years ago. Right she she might you know she doesn't like anymore and, and vice versa. Right. Would you agree
4: with that? I would totally agree. We finally got a weekend together, like with like six months into. Yeah. Good. And I remember Sean saying, uh, "Oh, I kind of forgot that you were funny like that. <laughs> like, That's not good. Like I kind of forgot. You know, like, yeah, you're you're funny." Yeah. <laughs> Um, And so then we realized we have not had time um, together. So I would agree. We keep a mutual calendar.
6: Mm -hmm, mm
4: -hmm. um, So we are both very aware of how busy we are, but we also make sure that we are making time for each other. We have married at first sight coming on right after love Network.
3: we have it on our calendar. we have, have a show that we watch together
4: yes if you're watching uh minister payton i uh, mean pastor payton you know <laughs> we have it on there eight o'clock it comes on yeah. <laughs> um and so that's our show um that we like to watch Best and so you don't have to watch merit at first sight but i'm just saying being intentional about taking that time out putting it on the calendar mm-hmm. um to make sure that we that we're connecting with mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. I, I remember something that was said at our wedding. Did you want to mention? Oh what was yeah, it
3: absolutely. Um, of course, going back to our pastor emeritus, man, he, he told me, he said, Sean, look at Aja, mm-hmm. Aja, look at Sean, you're not the same person you, you was 10 years ago before y'all met. He was like, now I want you to think where you are now, 10 years later, you're not going to be the same person. Not only do we change physically, but we change spiritually we change mentally, we go through things. I mean, I mean, think about it before me, you know, me and Aja got married. She went through childbirth. I don't even want to touch how childbirth can change. Yeah. Once we got married. Yeah. Yeah, Once we got married, she went through childbirth. I don't even want to talk about how that can change your wife physically and emotionally, you know, caring for other little people in your home. So I've had to do some adjusting. She's had to do some adjusting to me because I've changed. I went through some health issues. Um, you know, and she's she had to watch me go through those health issues. And then right after I went through mine, I watched her go through hers. So it, you know, that whole intentional piece and being intentional about each other and, and supporting each other is um
4: it's very crucial. It's
3: very
1: crucial.
4: Especially with the three kids.
1: Especially with the three kids.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know, no, I think the intentionality putting it, putting it on the calendar, being able to see it. Um, it makes it, it makes it realer. Like you, you can, you can say, "Hey, babe, next week let's carve out some time." Mm-hmm. But if you don't carve out the time, then you're ne- you're not necessarily being intentional about it, right? Yeah. You just you just assuming that hopefully it'll happen and everything will line up and everything will fall into place. And unfortunately, life doesn't work that way because we get busy and things come up. But once we've carved out that time, once we've been intentional about that. Um, then that kind of that kind of changes the narrative. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit on this one um, because I want us to talk about the church for a minute. Um, and um, how or how do you feel that the church either did or did not prepare you for marriage? And at this point, I really like to uh, uh, loop Doctor um, Doctor Fuller into this conversation. Um, and then I'd like to have uh Tim Davis, uh if you will excuse me Tim lee let's uh I'd like for you guys to go first and just did the church prepare you? Do you feel like the church prepared you for what was coming down the pipe when you got married?
5: So as somebody who grew grew up in church, was at church every single day, saw a lot of married couples saw saw couples go through things. That you know I, even in my young mind, I don't know that I fully understood what was happening, but what I saw is that they 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 worked really hard to stay together. I saw the work of marriage by being raised in the church because everything wasn't easy, and we got to see that. I don't know that the church necessarily prepared me, but I would say that they gave me some examples to look to,
2: yeah, see for me. I, I I really started going to church. I was in Atlanta. The only reason I started going to church is this one church is because I went and visited, and it was a whole lot of women there. And I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna go join the singles ministry." I'm keeping it with you, you know, like, right. I'm let's just call it what it is. I'm like, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go join." Come as you are. <laughs> some people there, so I was trying to get prepared by the church. But what I realized is that I didn't date anybody in that singles ministry. But what it did do Was to Christy's point, it allowed me to see other people. Actually, they were in some of the men's ministries, got a chance to meet some fellas and they were like, oh, my gosh, here's my marriage. Here's the up and downs. Here's the ebb and flows. Here's some of the things I'm going through. And what that did do was prepare me for, you know, the fact that marriage could be different and look different. And more importantly, I got a chance to see people pray and to be intentional about praying for their marriage in whatever state their marriage was in. But my whole focus was not to go for that. But that's kind of what God led me to, which prepared me for being for my wife.
1: Um, Team Davis, if, if you like to uh, piggyback piggyback on that, um, you know, did the how do you feel that the church either prepared? A matter of fact, did the church prepare you to be Shantae's in Asia before you were Team Davis?
3: Oh hmm. mm. <laughs> uh, man. Did the ch- so did the church prepare me to be my individual self before we were Team Davis? Right. Mm.
4: I have to piggyback off uh Christy still in in the sense, um, Minister Jeffrey and say that um I had I had some some strong women, some strong role models, some some strong examples of women um, to follow. But again, it still starts with my mom, and my mom being there um, in the church, not sending me to church, going. You know, we we, we were there together and all that, and so um and, and so she she's 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 my biggest impact. You know, that, I mean, she had the biggest impact on me um as far as. Um, someone to look to—a a wife, an example of a wife, an example of a mom, an, an example of a Christian woman um, in the church. And my grandmother; she's a mother of, of our church, um, our home church, growing up. And so, looking at her and. Um, and and my grandfather was a deacon and kind of just looking at how, um, their, their dynamics and how, how things worked. I, I think I more so looked into my family. My family was at, at, Mm -hmm. at my home church. And so I looked to my family. Um, and I felt like that's where my development of a woman, um, sparked, I guess. Um, how did you want to add to
3: that? (laughs) I like that. I, I can say for me individually, um, for me, You know, the church played an impact in developing me spiritually um, to be a husband. Um, Of course, you know, I had to go through some things and take my lumps and bruises along the way. As far as um, my spiritual aspect is concerned, I had to learn some things. Now, I wouldn't recommend to anyone by any means necessary. You know, you know, you know, the cliche experience is the best teacher. I disagree with that. Um, You don't have to go through things in order to learn some things. No, I feel like you can see other people go through it and you can learn from it. So you know, for me personally, um, you know, um, unfortunately, I had to experience some dark seasons in my life before I grew into the person who I knew God was really striving me to be. Um, but yeah, so the church prepared me spiritually um, for marriage, I will say. But because um, because I, I came from my mom is a widow, but before she was a widow. For for, uh, for my stepdad, she was married to my dad and they divorced early. She met my stepdad when um, I was about five or six, you know, and and because of that brokenness, I had to learn what marriage was all over again. You know, Asia, she told you earlier, she came from we're going to stick it out. We're going to work it out. And in my mind, I was like, if we argue, I don't, I don't have to stay,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, <laughs> like I can. I could go, I don't I don't have to be here, but so I had to actually relearn, like Christy and Quincy mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. some things, you know, I had to relearn that. I had to reprogram the way I, I was, the way that I was conditioned growing up. And the only way that happened is, she'll often say this, but the only way that happened is I had to stay close to God, man. Mm-hmm. Cause if I wouldn't have, I don't think we would be as far as we are right now in our marriage. If I wouldn't have made a conscious decision myself, to grow my relationship with Jesus first. And because of that, I'm able to say, okay, I know what love looks like. And I know that we have to endure some things together.
4: So yeah, Mr. Jeffrey, I'm not sure if it was, I'm not, I'm not sure if I would say it was complete. Um, we were completely prepared, um, from the church, but I know once, before I entered the marriage, I wanted to enter as my best, mm-hmm. as my best self mm-hmm. um, in that moment. Yeah. Okay, um, mm-hmm. my best self in that moment. And so there were some things that I did to to try to develop my best self. Um, that doesn't mean I wasn't broken. That doesn't mean I didn't bring some of that into my marriage. But I did take some of those lessons that I learned mm-hmm. prior to mm-hmm. and try to make sure that I was applying those so that we would be able to be the team that we are yeah. Um, today.
1: Yeah. So, um you know and and I can definitely understand i I, I think my grandfather and grandmother were married for for sixty four years. Wow mm. and I remember when she got sick, you know with cancer, he didn't want anybody helping her in and out of the car mm. and even though even though he had bad knees, he still wanted to help her in and out of the car right and so i'm like oh this is what it looks like you know and so it just really it just really helped to drive that home um dr sherell has the church prepared singles to be single?
6: Uh, Thank you, Minister Stevenson. First, thank you for uh, the invitation to join. Uh, I'm really excited to be a part of this uh, discussion. Uh, I want to preface before I say anything, uh, I am not a young adult. I'm a few years (laughs) removed from that. And uh, (laughs) And I am also not here trying to speak on behalf of all singles, but to give one perspective uh, based on a personal experience and some research that I have done. So I will start. I think I need to share this part before I answer your question. Uh, I will be. Um, I was going to say 38. I'm really deceptive right now. I will be 48 <laughs> this year, and I am single, never married. Um, as a child, one of the only things I ever prayed for was to be married, and it is the one thing that I have not gotten in my life. I did not grow up with happy marriages, and I did not see even a lot of happy marriages in the church. I, um, I knew people who were married. Now I grew up in a small town and I know some of you can relate to that. You know, I knew all the scandal, you know, I knew, you know, stuff that happened. I knew people who had been married for 60 years and people who told right. me and 30 of them have been good, you know? So I, as a, as like a six-year-old, you know, I'm the six-year-old who in the JCPenney catalog have planned my whole wedding and everything at six years old. So I watched people. I don't I don't know where the desire like that came to be married, because again, I didn't see a lot of it, not even in the church. But I was so I was looking I I may have been the one of the few young people who actually looking at young people, uh, looking at married couples. I looked at couples in the church who I knew were married, but they didn't act married, what I thought mm-hmm. married. Like I never saw people sit together in church. I saw. So I started wondering, like, trying to figure out how to frame uh, what marriage was going to be like. Um, one of the things that I think bothers me about, uh, and I've been in the church my whole life, is that I feel like the emphasis for me growing up and many singles that I've talked to is that girls and young women are taught how to be wives, uh, but oftentimes men aren't taught to be husbands. Um, I know I was raised to be a good girl. I was raised to put the things that I wanted in a husband in my Bible and put it in there. I was raised hearing Ephesians five wives, submit yourself to your husband, but I never really heard anybody talk about that all the rest of the chapter was about the man. And so I, what I have found in my personal life is that I don't think the church has done a good job. And to be honest, um, until I got, I had a childlike faith about this thing, until I hit around 45, which is a few years ago. And I actually got angry at the church. I felt like I had been lied to. I felt like I had been deceived. I felt like... um I felt like everything I had been told was a lie. Now, it wasn't God that was a lie. There were some doctrinal things. There were some cultural things that I felt. You know, I have always been taught, and I know we're going to talk about this later, this, you know, Ruth and Boaz, that's the single woman story. You know, be found waiting. You know, go lay your head at the, you know, be in the field, the threshing floor. Well, when you look at some of the history and really look deep, You know, history sometimes tells us that Ruth had sex before marriage, and that's not what you're supposed to do as a single. So for me, I feel like the church could do a better job in preparing. You know, there is nothing that prepared me for being almost 48 and not married and having a desire to. And there's and and so sometimes that's where that sense of isolation uh, comes. You try to find your place because, you know, you're no longer young adult. You're not senior. You're not youth. You're in that that Gen X piece. Where are you and you're single and you don't have children, you know, even in friend groups at work. uh, But church, interestingly enough, I have found is the hardest to navigate, even more so than work, because that's the place you want to have that connection.
1: Yeah, um, you know um, what? What some people don't don't realize is, so I, one of my moves to Charlotte came as a result of a divorce, and so some people know that, some people don't. But I've been married before, and and um, so I was married for about two and a half years. I was divorced, and I was single. I found myself single, and I'm like, hold up, I wasn't ready for singleness again. And so after I wasn't ready, I was ashamed to go to church. You know, I I didn't want to go back to church. Right. And so I moved, I moved to Charlotte, Uh which is how I got to St. Paul. Um, And and I say that to say, I I ended up, you know, God, I, I still feel God, you know, he, he still, you know, I love something that, that our pastor says is that God doesn't always move mountains. Sometimes he moves stones. And so, I was happened to be at a Bible study, right? And we're just talking, would go to midday Bible study just because of the job I had at the time. And so I was able to talk to, I think it was uh, uh, Dr. Fordham was teaching at the time. Um, and so he we're just talking afterwards. He said, have you ever, just time to talk to him. And he said, have you ever met the pastor? And I said, no, I've only been about two months. So he said, come on, come around the corner. So he introduced me to Dr. Moss. And so Dr. Moss said, hey, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit later. And we talked about, a week later, I met him in his office late at night, it's about seven o'clock. And he you know, he told me, you know, he had been divorced. And I'm like, what? You know, very transparent, very open, very real. He said, There's no need to feel ashamed. Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Listen, H Town said it best, emotions make you cry sometime, y'all. And I was <laughs> listen, I was listen, I was sensitive like Ralph Tresman in there. You know, I mean, emotional like Carl Thomas. I mean, I just <laughs> I broke down and I cried because nobody had told me it was okay yeah. to be divorced. It was okay to be back single again, right? Yeah. And and it just changed my life. And so even our our even uh, Pastor Scott is very transparent about what he's gone through as far as being divorced. Yeah. And so for those who are going to St. Paul, I, I don't know if he understands the relief at times when he reveals that, that people get to know that, that it's okay because everybody has a background. Um, You shared an article with me, uh, Dr. Fuller, that I, that I want to address. And that article is 10 Ways We Unintentionally Make Singles Feel Invisible. <laughs> right. And in that article, um, it really highlights a lot of things that, that unbeknownst to the church takes place and we make single people in our churches feel invisible. And, and before I ask the question, I'm going to preface something. Okay. And I wasn't sure if I was going to say it, but I'm going to say it because we're being real. Right. Um, A lot of times churches. I won't say what pastor I know who said this but he said that past he said that churches sometimes pimp out single people because single people will work later because they don't have anybody at home. Single people will sing in your choirs. Single people will stay when other people don't stay. But what we do is we don't teach about singles we don't deal with singles because we'd rather have the married family, but we'll pimp out single people to do the work, right? And so in in prefacing that, um, how do you feel that the church mislabels singles, thereby making them feel invisible? Mm
6: -hmm. Thank you for that question, Jeffrey. And I also, I want to I want to thank you for what you said just now. Um, I'm at church right now. <laughs> I'm in a room now getting ready to go to choir rehearsal after I leave here. And I was here before doing something, so I totally get that. Uh, it's something I have a heart for, but I'm going to get to that point. Uh, one of the things that I think is powerful, um, that even the fact that I'm here, is a big deal because it's the first time that I can remember in my time at St. Paul that as a single person, uh, in a, in, when we're talking about relationships, that a single person has ever been called to even have a seat at the table. And I thank you for that, um, Minister Stevenson, because again, that's one of the ways, you know, I, I've heard people talk about relationship and talk about singleness, but there's never anybody single there. And right i have heard so many times and i have never heard anybody in the church explicitly say marriage is better than singleness but the implicit Mm. idea is that it is um and it's because when you speak about family family is a married couple with children Mm. if you're married with no children that's a that's really not looked at as a family if you're single and never been married, no children. Well, what about me? I'm my family. I, I don't even have brothers or sisters. Now I'm not trying to do a pity party here because I have a great support network. I have good friends, but I am my family in my home. I make all the decisions. I, you know, take out the trash. I do all those things. And so I think the subtle messages that come do imply that marriage is better. Um, All of the different singles, again, you know, I'm in a unique place. I am um, 48 almost and want to be married. There may be somebody who is my age or older who doesn't want to be married, but then there's also a different experience for a young adult. You know, my experience at 48 is not what it was at 21. You know, I have a different kind of thing. And so even even some of the messages, and, and I'm laughing because my small I Connect group, I'm going to shout them out. I told them I was going to shout them out. We're actually, mm-hmm. we're a group of singles. And we've been talking about some of our frustration. And any of you who know me, you know, I'm usually a smiley person. I'm, I hate confrontation. But uh, they laugh at me because I say there are certain things that people say to singles that makes me want to punch somebody in the throat. <laughs> and that's when I Get to the extreme. <laughs> you all told me I could be real here.
1: You took the doctor off, y'all. You're taking the doctor <laughs> off now. This
6: is, is Sherelle from the field. Not <laughs> but you know, like when I'm when a mayor, like when Valentine's Day comes around, and this is you know part of the conversation. I am an intelligent person. I know that Valentine's Day is a commercial holiday. I get that, but it becomes frustrating when someone usually at church, usually a married couple tells a person tells you, oh, you know, Valentine's Day is not that big a deal. You know, you need to blah, blah, blah. And then they're sitting home with roses or candy. You know, it's those kinds of things that people don't think about Um, when when uh, something is going on and you say maybe I'm lonely and then you get the and I don't want to say that scripture is cliché but it turns cliche when people just kind of give it to you to shut you up and move you along. You know, I'm having a hard time. I'm struggling. Well, God's grace is, um, is sufficient for me. Well, yeah, God's grace is sufficient, but I've been living by myself for a year now in a pandemic, no human contact, you know, sometimes God's grace doesn't feel sufficient. So what do we do then? So sometimes it's the language. And then again, sometimes it's just being recognized, not having someone say, you know, well, marriage, uh, marriage is not all you know, it shouldn't be the main goal of everyone because you said something powerful, Minister Stevenson. I was ashamed to talk about this for a long time. And then maybe like I think I told you I hit a I hit a wall at 45, actually was diagnosed with anxiety. And a lot of that was because I was angry with the church. The the one thing that has been my st- my mainstay for my entire life. Even in college, when I would go to the club on Saturday, I was at church Sunday. I'm not trying to say it's right or wrong, but I have never had a moment where I've not been in church. And I felt like the church had had forsaken me, you know, not mm-hmm. to sound over dramatic. And so I think we need to have these conversations about like, where is my place? There were many times that I said, if not for uh, merit, if not for the, when you talk about if not for music ministry, I wouldn't come to church because that's where I feel connected. I didn't feel connected anywhere else. And this is not just a St. Paul thing. I've talked to people in the mm. church at large who've experienced it. And so I think we need to just begin to understand, you know, the single person who is a widow or widower, you know, the divorcee, the single parent, you know, there, there are more of us than are married people in the church. And this is not to limit, because, you know, I told you I'm the six-year-old who's only ever prayed to be married. I honor marriage, but sometimes it feels like we are less than and that there is not a place. And I think we need to to be able to address that and talk about it because if we can't feel connected in church, where do we go?
1: And and so what happens a lot of times is we have what's called uh, the streetlight effect. And I'm not sure if you're aware of the streetlight effect, but the the streetlight effect is essentially an observational bias, Right. And so, the the way that you observe it is, is the way that they typically explain it is that there's a man who is searching for his keys underneath the streetlight. And so, a police officer sees him and says, Hey, what are you doing? And he says, Well, I'm looking for my keys. And so, they've searched for about 20 minutes. And so, then the officer says, Well, are you sure you dropped your keys here? And he says, Oh, no, I dropped them across the street in the park. And so, the police officer is looking crazy. He says to him, Well, then why aren't we searching in the park? And so he says to the police officer, oh, well, this is where the light is. Mm -hmm. It's an observational bias that takes place and it's easier to sometimes reference the marriage aspect than to actually deal with the reality that you have single people, you have people who are hurting, you have people who are widows, you have people who are divorced. Dealing with that is sometimes will lead you to dark places. And we like to shine this light on 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 the marriage, as if the marriage as as you said, just because somebody's married don't mean they're sleeping in the same bed at night, you know. Just because somebody's married don't mean well for one don't mean they come home at this at night for exactly. one, you know. Let's be real, yeah. you know. So I, I think we have to be able to celebrate everyone inside the church because there's a place for everyone. But when we limit people, we make people feel as if they do not they do not matter. Um, yes.
6: Yes. Uh, Jeffrey, can I speak to that? You said yeah, something so yeah. powerful, you know, going back to that ashamed piece, you know, it's it's so interesting how it's easier. You know, I have found, you know, I have some friends who have wanted more than anything else to be a mother. And, you know, and then something happened, life, you know, uh, our life, you know, the biology, you know, got older, things like that, and it wasn't going to happen. So in that case, God's answer was no. You know, we often hear God's, you know, God's answer, yay and amen. And that the answer was no. I have found it easier for people to accept someone who is has a desire to have a baby than someone who desires to be married because it gets diminished down to, oh, they just want a man. And what I found right. is that it's hard, you know and 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 part of my being ashamed is you know I have been blessed to accomplish a lot of things in my life, and I was ashamed to be like in the midst of all of this that I'm still sitting here you know pining after this thing and it and it's so much more than wanting a man, but that's what is diminished to and you talked about shining the light. people are uncomfortable when I share my story, you know right. and i stop and I remember I shared and and the and then I start getting the you know, well, God's grace is sufficient, you know, just ask and ask and, you know, it'll come to you, you know, just keep working for the Lord. I've been working for the Lord since I was six years old. You know, the assumption is that I'm not working or it makes you kind of feel like you're telling me something's wrong with me because someone people don't know how, and I don't know what the answer is, you know, but people don't know how to talk to someone who's just struggling, you know, to be able to say, I don't understand it because I don't know what it's like to be 48 and never married and want to be. But, you know, thank you for being open. And, you know, let's talk about it. Tell me how does it feel? How does it feel, you know, to have to think about your emergency contact? How does it feel to to think about a life where maybe you will die alone? Again, I'm an only child. And so you think about those things, but People don't want people want to automatically say, OK, baby, I'll pray for you. And again, I love to be prayed for, but I want you to hear me too. don't dismiss right, me right. with the church cliches because right. I know them all. Don't tell me about Paul's thorn. Don't tell me about Sarah having a baby at 90. Don't tell me Jesus was single. I know all of this. And don't I know y'all me, so I, tired
1: of Ruth. <laughs> Lord,
6: please, Lord. Ruth, Ruth and Ruth. Boaz just <laughs> get rid of it. But again, I, again, it's, it's wanting to be heard. And having somebody, and I think it makes people uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable to hear me say that I might have to reckon with the idea that I will never be married. And when I say that, people will be like, oh, no, baby, it's going to happen. It might not. I know a lot of people who right. want it to be. I know people who wanted children who couldn't. But people don't know. And, and I guess I don't know if I'm looking for too much. I feel like if I can't talk to my brothers and sisters at church about this, I definitely can't talk to the folks at work because I right. don't want a worldly view because the world is not going to help me get through that kind of heartache. I need, I need the church.
1: And, and and I think that's where the church has to be able to open up and have those have those conversations. Um, and then there's this often this, this misconception around singleness that because I'm single, that means I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. Like like you you said something earlier. You said that that um, if you have any questions, by the way, you can put them in the chat. But you said something earlier that I have a great support system, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that you cannot just assume because somebody's single that necessarily means that they're lonely or that yeah. they're miserable.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and so I think we have, and I think this is referenced. You you shared another article as well with me. Um, and and it said why singles often give up on the church. Mm-hmm. And I think people just don't understand how overlooked singles get inside of the church. And and this last point um, um, that I want to get to, and I hope y'all listening out there in the Kaya Kaya world, just because folks single don't mean they're promiscuous. So do you feel that there is a misconception um, and that singles get a bad rap from a sexual point of view that because I'm single, you're assuming that I'm, I'm out doing things that I should be doing.
6: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the interesting thing, what I have found in my growing up into my young adult and into my middle age years is that in the church, well, first of all, I don't think anybody will be shocked at this. We have a hard time talking about anything dealing with sex in the church. Right. And I think we have a harder time talking about sex as it relates to people who are not married. And, and I wish, I wish I had the quote, I meant to pull it up, but there is, there's a quote that I read in one of those articles I sent you minister Stevenson that said, there's there, people seem to think that a single person's sexuality uh, disappears when they see they're single. And then if they get married, here it is, all of a sudden, people are sexual beings. Right. And so one of the things that um, I, and I don't want to just put all of this on the church, but because the church is so heavy in talking about sex stuff, I don't think the church knows how to handle people, single people in dealing with sex. You know, again, you know, I can I can quote Ephesians 522 to you. I can uh, quote First Corinthians 6 to you, flee fornication. You know, anytime somebody would ask a question like in my old church, very conservative, flee fornication, that that's the easiest thing. Just flee it. It's just like Nancy Ray. Megan saying, uh, just say no. Well, what do I say yes to? And and this is something that, again, I think is uncomfortable, but it has to be talked about. Uh, You know, I have no problem. I celebrate my age because I think living a long life is a blessing. You know, what do you, do you have the same sex talk with me at 48 that you do with a 21 year old? You know, I don't really want to, the abstinence conversation, I've, I've been hearing that for 20 some years. You know, what's the conversation that you have with someone who may be realizing that the marriage may never come? Well, right. what's the conversation that you have with them? So I think the thing that you mentioned is, is change, it's different to have assumptions. We need to be careful with having assumptions. You know, we should not just assume something about anybody, whether they're married or whether they're single. But I do think we need to be able to have conversations about this. I remember um, uh, someone I knew, an, a person who's probably maybe in their 70s now, but years ago asked a question uh, in church. Where they thought they would be safe and said, you know, what do you do? You know, Paul says it's better to marry than to burn. And this yeah. one person asked the question in the church, well, what if you're burning? The, you should have heard the hush that came over the place. And this, lady, <laughs> this lady left with no answer. Now, if she had gone out yeah. and, you know, got her a yeah. man and the people be talking about her, but nobody wanted to. And so I think we need to have these these real conversations, and we need to talk about the real thing. We need to talk about really what happened with Ruth and Boaz. We need to talk about, you know, we need to go to a Song of Solomon and look at some of the things that are in there. You know, I remember my former pastor, pre, you did a whole lesson on Song of Solomon, and you would have thought we were in a high school sex ed class. We were so embarrassed. It was just, but everything we need is in the Bible, but we need to not be ashamed to talk about it because there are those of us this is not just a hypothetical situation some of us are living this thing right and we have to and again where is you know where is our place and the last thing i'll say is to the loneliness piece you know, just because you're single doesn't mean you're lonely, but also just because you're someone who smiles all the time and is, you know, kind of does, also right. doesn't mean that you're lonely. If there have been some days that I did not want to get out of the bed from t- crying because just the loneliness hits you in the way. And you know, I have this beautiful home that I thank God he's blessed me to get it with. But then one day I sat there and be like, I never thought I would. This is the third house that I've purchased I never thought I'd be doing all of this by myself. And so there are those moments. And then the pandemic, y'all, has just escalated. You know, things, if if you were lonely before the pandemic, and I shared this, and again, this is not, I always have to preface this, it's not, that's not a woe is me. You know, I have a good life, but there are some valleys in this life. And, you know, I am one of those who is an extrovert who loves, you know, physical touch. The love language has kind of increased in this past year because I literally have not had physical touch. And people automatically think, again, if you're single and you start talking about intimacy, I think Sean mentioned that it's not just about sex. You right. know, think about what it might be like to not have actually had a good intimate hug in a year. That's the reality of me and many of my brothers and sisters and it's hard.
1: Um, you know, and and that's where that's where we as a church have to have to be there. And I know right now it's it's tough, right? But you know, you you posted something online, and and I'd like to bring the entire panel uh, back at this time if we can. Um, You posted something online, and this is why we we brought you, you know, after I read it, I'll be honest with you, it, and I I think I even, I, I was like, we can't have this discussion, and I told Marco, I said, we can't have this discussion without bringing Sherelle on, because when I read that post, I felt that pain. And it took me back to a time in my life before Dr. Moss gave me that hug. And I felt it. And I hadn't felt that way in a long time. And so, you know, I I think we just have to definitely just continue to be here and have these conversations um, because they make things aware. And we bring everybody to the table. Everybody has a part to play you know, everybody, everybody has a part to play. And, and by the way, you were talking about I connect and I'm gonna give everybody one chance to say anything if they need to. Um, but there is a book for her, I connect that she's in, um, that she's talking about. And I want everybody to that's out there and the book is called I'm single. So what I'm single. So what, and, and, um, I would encourage anyone to to definitely get into our iConnect group, have these conversations. These conversations are being had here at St. Paul. They may not be having at some other churches, and they haven't always been been had here. But we are trying to make a concerted effort to have those um, to have those those conversations. And and to the point of Paul, by the way, Paul says, you know, yeah, I prefer the single life, but everybody got their own gift,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, and so. Right, you know, so so you know, it's. I think it's easier for us to talk about Paul for us to talk about Ruth than to really deal with the reality that Paul wasn't married. When I told my wife to tell one of her friends who was struggling with her singleness that Paul wasn't married, this is what Paul says about it. She said, "Oh my god, it was a weight lifted off of her," and she said, "My wife even looked at me. She said, and by the way." Anybody who married to somebody in seminary already know you gonna be a you gonna be a theologian when this over. So give my wife, my boy, a shout out. She watching. I'm assuming she go to seminary too.
4: Amen. <laughs> <Thank>
1: you. <laughs> but you know, she she even said, Jeffrey, I didn't know Paul wasn't married. Mm-hmm. I said, Yeah, he he fell off that horse by himself.
6: <laughs> Jeffrey, you know, you if, are, you if you, are, you had been that. single to 48, you would know that he wasn't married, because everybody tells you. <laughs> 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 if you almost 50 oh, and single, oh, you would know. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh. Oh. Um, you know, as, as we wrap this Kaya up, I certainly just want to thank each mm-hmm. and every one of you for your for your insight, for your perspectives, um, and for your honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, And for those who are watching us, um, if you've learned nothing else from this, I hope you've learned to love yourself. Love yourself um, whether you're married. Love yourself whether you are engaged. Love yourself whether you are single. Love yourself whether you are divorced. Um, You know, love yourself if you're widowed. Um, Write yourself a love note.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: Write yourself a love note. Um, And I pray that it heals. Mm. And before we go, let me just shout out. um, After this, we have our quick 15 with our pastor. Um, Please join us online. Um, Please call in uh, to what's being shared um, to the number that's listed. And then also, don't forget, we have our TNT that is coming up as well. Uh, We certainly appreciate you. This is not the last time we will have these discussions. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: Um, Let us continue to have these discussions. And um, with that, we thank you. And I thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight.
6: Thank 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 you.
1: Thank you all. Thank you. God bless. Good night.